Welcome to New Season Ministry with Evangelist Jeremy Cook. We hope today's message will challenge, encourage, and uplift you in your walk with the Lord. Enjoy the message. Have your Bibles. I want you to go with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter, uh, chapter number 27. 1 Chronicles chapter 27. I, I'm Lord willing that the Lord will help me. I'll try not to take too long tonight, but that really doesn't mean anything. Um, that's just words I'm just saying right now. Uh, I, I feel like, I, listen, I, I'm, can I say this just jokingly? I'm going to say this jokingly here real quick. Um, after hearing Pastor Justin preach Monday morning, I don't feel so bad about my time that I take as far as preaching. Now, uh, he preached an hour and a half, I think it was, on Monday on. on on Monday morning, but uh, but it was good, wasn't it? I mean, I'll tell you, it was powerful. He preached a power, he preached a powerful message. So I I don't feel bad about my forty five minutes that I preach at times. So uh, so but uh, and I say that jokingly because uh, I tell you, he did he did preach and all he did preach an amazing word. Everybody preached an amazing word at camp meeting. Amen. It just seemed like that everything just flowed together. I was thinking this afternoon. Uh, as we were getting ready, as we were getting ready for service, and uh, and I felt like the Lord was leading me in this direction. I really wanted to kind of piggyback off of what Pastor uh, began to talk about this morning uh, about the about the oil, and that's really what I want to talk to you tonight about. And I've just got one verse of scripture. I want to talk to the church tonight if the Lord will help me, if the Lord will anoint me. But I want us to look at 1 Chronicles chapter number 27. I want to look at verse number 28. That's all I'm going to use for a text tonight. And then we're going to get ready. Then we're, uh, then we're going to just kind of dive into this. Because how many knows that everybody in this house tonight uh, is, is destined to be used by God? Amen. Amen. Everybody in this house is destined to be used of God. Everybody... Has the purpose. Everybody has God's got His hand. If you're saved and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, there is a place for you in service. There's a place that God wants to use you. There's a place that God intends for it intends for you to be. When we come to First Chronicles chapter number twenty-seven, we are getting ready to come to the end of David's reign as king. We talked a little bit about that in Sunday school this morning about, uh, about Solomon ascending the throne and becoming king. But at the end of at the end of David's reign, in 1 Chronicles chapter 27, the Bible begins to talk about the men that, that served with David, the men that 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 were put in place, that were put in order in the kingdom that David was ruling and that he was reigning over. Those that those that had duties, those that had responsibilities, those that were those that were over things. And as I was reading that this afternoon, my mind went to a particular man, a man by the name of Joash. Joash had a very particular calling upon his life. And I believe that that is the calling that the church has. I believe that as 
spirit-filled brothers and sisters, as people who have been called of God, where we may have different talents, we may have different abilities, we may have different giftings, we may have different uh, talents and callings on our lives. I believe that without the oil, none of the rest of it matters. I love good singing, but without, but it's the oil that makes singing anointed. Yeah. I like good preaching, and there are people that that preach that preach amazingly. Uh, that uh, that sometimes we we look at that. Even Pastor and I, we were talking about a little bit of that yesterday as we were just discussing things concerning camp meeting. That it, sometimes it's easy that we that we look and say, "Well, I wish I could preach like that." And good preaching is good, but I'd rather and, and not saying that the other stuff is unanointed. But I want anointed preaching. I just don't want somebody that can that can articulate something well. I want I want anointed preaching. I just don't want somebody. It's it's good to hit every note perfect. It's good to be in key all the time. It's good to uh, to be able to be on pitch and to know progression chords and all of those different types of things. But uh, and, and that you know, but those are things that you can learn in a school somewhere. Those are things that you can go. To a seminary somewhere, and they can teach you how to do all of those things, and those and it's well and good and perfect. There's nothing wrong with that, but without the anointing, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Without the anointing, it's it, it, it's all nothing. Why? Because Zechariah four and four is going to say that really at the end of this thing, at the end of all of this, we're going to realize that it's not by mind, nor is it. By power, but what? It is by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so, without, so I believe that in these last days, I'm going to get to my text here in just a moment. I believe that in these last days that we have heard talk about during this camp meeting, that the that the assault is not going to be on time. I don't believe that the assault is going to be on just preaching. I don't believe that the assault is going to be on on churches. We we talked about or we we've heard discussed what there's 55 churches in our uh, in our community and in our in our county and our in our sphere of influence. There's there, there's a number of churches. It seems like that we go throughout this county and out our communities. And it looks like there's a church on every corner. I don't believe that there's just necessarily going to be an attack on the uh, on the church building. What I believe that, that Satan's strategy is in these last days is to come after people who have the oil. Oh, it's to come after people who have the anointing. Not, he, I believe that the people who, who Satan is getting ready to come after, and I'm not trying. Listen, I'm not a doom and despair type of guy, but but I do believe in the reality of the situation. God, the, the enemy doesn't attack somebody who doesn't have anything. Oh, I'm already preaching better than you're shouting right now. The enemy doesn't come after an empty house. All right, the enemy doesn't come after an empty vessel. I believe that the enemy comes after people who possess something. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the thief 
cometh not but to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And if there's nothing for him to steal from your life, he's not going to come after your life. Amen. And so, so I believe that in these last days, what we're going to see is we're going to see an intensification. I know this is not shouting material over here right now, but I believe that we're going to see an intensification among the people who are people of the oil. An, anticip an anticipation of, uh, of the enemy trying to fight against those that are dripping with the oil. But here is what I'm reminded of, and then I'm going to try to get into this message. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus Christ when he said that, uh, he said, I'm building a church, I'm building an anointed church, I'm building a people who are without spot and without blemish, and it's upon those people, it's upon the church, it's upon the rock of who I am, that the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail against it. So I just want to encourage you that there may be an intensification of the battle, there may be an intensification of the fight, but I take comfort in knowing that the enemy can fight all he wants to. I already know the battle. That's not even my message, but that was good. First Chronicles chapter 27, verse number 28. This is what I want us to look at here tonight. It talks about, I just, I, verse 28 says, Now, Baal Hanani, the Jejurite, was over the olive trees and the sycamore trees that were in the lowlands. But this is what I want to look at. But Joash was over the oil. He was the keeper of the oil. Church, we can lose everything else. We can lose our pretty buildings. We can lose our budgets. We can lose our money. We can lose all of that. But We've got to be keepers of the oil. That's what I want to talk to you tonight about if the Lord will help me. Because I believe that God is strategically placing us in this moment and this time. That as we move forward and in all the moving and all the shaking that is going on right now. I want us to be people of the oil. You see David the king. He's, he's setting up things. He's setting up. Things that are in order. And I love that because that tells me that God is a God of order. God, God always does things strategically. He always does things that, that He always does things that are in order. He's always placing, He is always placing things to where where the greatest, where the greatest uh, uh, return, so to speak, of investment can be. You see, God doesn't do anything by happenstance. We understand that. God, God doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't, when He does things, God always does things right. He doesn't do things like 
Even we would think, Brother Johnny, that he should do them, but he always does things right. And King David was a king that understood order. He was a thing. He was a king that put things in order. He put things in place. And he's placing people where that he needs them. And 1 Chronicles chapter 27 is all about order. It is all about looking at people in the kingdom, people in the kingdom where God has placed them, where the king has placed them in order to serve. And what I find interesting is that it is an honor. Listen, it is an honor to be used by God. If God places his hand on you, if God raises you up, if God fills you with his spirit, it is an honor to be used by God and to be placed in his service. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2 and 10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what good works. He has created us for a purpose. He has created us. And so we ought to consider it an honor to be used by God. When I was 16 years old and the Lord called me into ministry, when the Lord walked in under that tent where I was at and he used somebody, he used somebody to speak into my life at 16 years of age to tell me that God's hand was upon me and that God wanted to use me and the ministry. From that moment on, I considered it the highest honor in the land and the highest honor in the kingdom to be used by God. Why would I want to do, Brother Johnny, anything else but to be used by God? I tell you, I've got a lot of things over my lifetime. In my almost 38 years, I have taught school. I have, I, 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 I've, 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 I've made, I've made deliveries. I've, I've taught, I've taught school. I've, uh, I, I've sold roofs. I've worked in construction and all of that. But here was the thing. I would always tell people this. When somebody would look at me, Sister Jessica, and ask me, what is it that you do? I would look at them and say, I, I wouldn't say, I'm a school teacher. I wouldn't look at them and say, you know what, I sell roofs for insurance companies. I wouldn't look at them and say, you know what, I, I work in a grocery store. No, I would look at them and say, I'm a preacher of the gospel. God has called me to preach because that's not why in the world would I settle for anything less than what God has called me to do. Can somebody say that? And so we've got to remember, we've got to remember, each of us have a place of service. Each of us have a place. Corinthians would tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he would tell us, Paul the Apostle would tell us that he has placed, that God himself has placed all of us in the body where it pleases him. I'm, get, I'm getting to the oil part here in just a moment. You see, we've all got a place of service. Can I just talk to you for a minute? We haven't been called to occupy people. Right? We haven't been called just simply just to show up on Sunday. We haven't been simply called just to show up to camp meeting. We haven't been called just to simply just to uh, just to simply come to church on, on on Wednesdays. We've actually been called to a place of service, and if we are not serving, we are not fulfilling the potential for the kingdom. You, we've also by we have also been called 
by his name. Jesus is the one that calls us. Just like David would take Joash and he would take all those and he would place them. They had been called by David. You and I have been called by the highest king in the kingdom. You and I have been called by a king greater than David. You and I have been called by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, there, and again, there is no greater calling than to be called by the name of Jesus. Here's the third thing. You and I have different abilities and we have different gifts. You and I have different talents. You and I have different things. It is amazing that when I look out over when I look out over this, and I, I, I look out over the congregation, I see people that I know that have different talents and they have different abilities. There are things that you can do I cannot do. I, I, let me pick on Brother Scotty here for a minute. I've been looking, I've been looking at what he's been doing at his house. I've been looking. How he's been remodeling that. How he how he's been working hard. I tell you, I, I can't think of anybody that works harder than Brother Scott. Amen. I tell you, I don't think he's I don't think he's got an idle minute in his time. I think he wakes up and he's going, and he and he goes until his head just hits the pillow, and when he gets up, he's going, and then he's going again. And uh, and, and I pray and I praise God for that. I, I and I've been looking at all of this remodeling that he's doing uh, there at, at, at on his property and everything. And, I, and I'm just and I'm just amazed at how uh, of, of what he's been able to do. I've been amazed at just that he's able just to take he's able like I just saw he's able to take some pallets and he's put in a ceiling up in his you know, in, in one of his rooms. And I'm just amazed by that, knowing that I can't do that. I can't. I I, I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I'm not smart enough to do what he's doing. I've tried. I've tried to learn to do things like that. And it's just not in me. People say, oh, well, you can do it. No. No. I can't do it. I, I've tried. I tear things up. I'm not in the construction business. I'm in the deconstruction business. If you want something tore down, you call me. I can do that for you. All right? I, 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 and I look. I, I, I look. I see. I see all of that. And here's the thing. It would be easy for me to step back and to say, well, since I can't do what Brother Scotty does, then I'm no good. Oh, I preach it right now. Uh, listen, I, I, there, there's, to me, in my opinion, there's nobody, there's nobody that can whip up something in the kitchen here and can't eat like Sister Kat. I, I, just, I just believe that. I just believe that she can. She sets the menu in order, and it just seems like for unless I, unless I miss something, everything just goes off without a hitch. I mean, everything is just. I mean, everything is just. It, it just. It's just running. We walk in there, and there's the spread laid out before us. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I, you know, we're. Uh, listen, I'm gonna pick on us, brother Tony. Pastor Tony, we we we, you know, we get up for breakfast and go over there and start cooking breakfast, and we realize well, we don't have any eggs. We don't have any You know, we got we come down and run to the store and get this and that. But so she, she's got it all laid out. She's got it all. She's got it all. She's got it all planned. See, that's that's a that's a gifting. That's a talent that she has. And what I would, but what I'm, but it's easy. It would be easy for me to look at that and say, well, if I can't do that, then I can't be can't be used. I don't have I don't have any purpose in the kingdom. 
But here's the thing. Is this okay tonight? See, but the thing is, is that the Bible says that we are just like David took these men and he put them over things. The Bible says that he takes us and he places us in places based on one on two things. One, his will. Oh. And number two, based on our giftings and abilities. Right? And so, so, so we all have different abilities and gifts. And we've all, number four, we've all been placed by God for a purpose. Oh, this is good. We've got to understand something here is that we have been called, we have been placed for a purpose. And in this season, in this moment, it is important that we understand our purpose. Can I just say this here real quick? The enemy is not intimidated with you being at church. The enemy is not intimidated by, uh, the enemy is not even intimidated by the fact that you can sing or not sing. He's not intimidated by the fact that you dropped a few dollars in the offering plate. But what he is intimidated by is that you finding out what your purpose and what your calling is. And you walking out through that purpose. Oh, because see, if he can't get you to backslide, if he can't get you to completely fall out with God, the number one thing that he will try to do is to get you to not fulfill your purpose. But I believe in these last days, I believe that there's some people here at harvest time tonight that are going to understand their purpose, are going to understand their destiny. They're going to, oh, they're going to, we're, we're going to lay aside the excuses. We're going to lay aside, we're going to lay aside what we can and cannot do. And we're going to focus on the one thing that God has called us to do and that is fulfill our purpose. If we can fix things, fix things. If we can cook, cook. If we can teach a class, teach a class. If we can preach and sing, preach and sing. But my goodness, fulfill the destiny and the calling and the purpose on your life. Oh. You see, now I said all of that. I'm 20 minutes into this. Give me more time. And I'll finish the rest of this. But there was one man in David's kingdom. His name was Joash. Joash seemed to have the most insignificant job of all of them. I mean, think about it. It was, some translations will say he was over the sellers of the old. To many people, it was the place that nobody can see. It was at the place that nobody understood. It was at the place that no that that everybody else it seemed like in that kingdom had positions. You know, people would come in and they would see, well, this one's over here, and this one's got this position over here. It was something that was suggesting that you could see. The Bible says of Joash that he was over the seller. The cellars or the basement of oil. He was in a place that nobody else could see. But I would argue tonight that Joash's job was more important than any other jobs in that kingdom. Why do I say, well, why do you say that, Pastor Jerry? I say that because 
In those days, oil was perhaps the most precious commodity in all the land. It not only was used for the it wasn't as not only was used for for lamps, but it was used for all different sort of things. They would put it in cosmetics. They would put because you know it was makeup back then too. It was they would put it in cosmetics. They would put it and and they would put it in they would put it in clothing. They would put it in so many things like that. And there had to be somebody there. To guard the oil. Because. If the oil ever went missing. The entire economy. Of the kingdom. Would collapse. Oh. I, oh this is good preaching. I know we're tired. But this is good preaching. If the oil went away. The entire economy of the kingdom would crash because the most important thing, Brother Johnny, in Israel at that time wasn't the crows, wasn't the vegetables, it wasn't even the palace, it was the oil. And as long as there was oil, oh, I feel it right now. As long as there was somebody there that was guarding the oil, as long as there was something they could they could do what they could they could do without the they could do without the the groves. they could do without without the gardens because they could always grow the gardens again. But if the oil ever went away, if the oil if a thief ever came in to get the oil, and then it would cripple them. And in this day, we understand. Oil is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. The oil is the symbol of the anointing of God. It is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that there are people that God is raising up in these last days and in these last seasons that are saying, I don't care about the position. I don't care about notoriety. I don't care if I'm ever on the platform. I don't care if, if I have to spend my entire ministry in a backward somewhere serving. If I can just keep the oil. If I can just keep the oil. I know that the light will always stay on. I know. I know that we can always have church. I know that I can always make it. We've got to keep the oil. We've got to keep the oil. We can do without everything else. You can take your fancy songs. You can take you can take your fancy preaching. You can take your fancy seminary degrees. You can take all of that. But I don't want the oil to leave. I don't want the oil to leave. I don't want it to ever run out. We need the oil. See, listen. See, can I can Pastor? Can I just pick back off of something that you said this morning? You see. See, there was ten virgins, Matthew chapter 25, there was ten virgins, there were five wise, five foolish. We had, we've heard that, I don't want to get into all of that again. You know, we understand that when the bridegroom came, that there was, the five wise had extra oil, the five foolish didn't have any oil. But here's something that was interesting. 
The Bible says that those five foolish did not trim their lamps. Right, right. So the Bible says, the Bible says they did not trim their lamps. And I got to looking at that, and you know me, I do all this research and stuff like that, and I begin to look at that, and the word trim there is actually a cosmetic term. It's where we actually get the word cosmetic from. It's where when you ladies that you go buy makeup or you go to Ulta or wherever those other places are, you spend way too much money on, on or Sephora and you spend way too much money on that stuff. You know, $20 on a thing of lipstick and I don't know, yeah, it's not. I don't go there very much. But it's where we get our word, the word trim in the Greek is where we actually get our word cosmetic from. And what it means is really to prepare ourselves. It goes so much more. See, when we say trim our lamps, we, we think of it in the old times of if you've got one of those old kerosene lamps, that wick starts to burn, you trim, you trim that wick. That's part of it, but what he's saying is it's so much more than that. What they're saying is, is that what, what Jesus was saying is that they failed to make themselves they failed to, to get themselves dressed up. Oh, I remember. Now listen, now listen. Now you may think this is funny, but let me just say this real quick. I remember when I met when I met Jessica, and we were getting ready, and we were getting ready to go on our, on our first date. Well, we had our first date right after a service because I begged her to go out with me that night, and I said, "Listen, you need to go out with me. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go." But after that, for the longest for the longest time, and I'm going to tell on myself here, whenever I would get ready to go see her, I didn't want to just go see her, Sister Kathy, just in an old tattered t-shirt and faded blue jeans and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to make myself ready. I wanted, I, when I knocked on her door to pick her up, and we were getting ready to go on there. I didn't. I didn't want her to see me like I'd just been sleeping under a bridge for the last two days. I sh I would shave and trim up, slick that hair back, find the nicest clothes that I had on, and I would put it on and go knock on that door. And here was the thing: she do the same thing. She would do the same thing. She she put her makeup on because why? She was getting ready to meet someone. Oh, I'm, I'm preaching right now. She is getting, she is getting ready to, 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 we were getting ready to meet each other. We were getting ready to go out. We were getting ready to, and, and we have tried over our 13 years of marriage, Brother Scotty, we have tried to keep that, that, that thing alive in that, in that area of our lives. 
That when we got when we get ready to go out, we get ready to have those date nights and everything like that. Because I don't care. How, okay, let me just preach right here. Because I don't care how long you've been married. I don't care how long you've been together. You ought to be able to still fall in love with each other every day. Oh, you ought not to ever take those days for granted and get comfortable. You ought to learn how to fall in love. You ought to learn how to. Re- okay. Uh, you ought to learn how to rekindle the fire every now and then. You ought to learn how to do all of that. And so I. And, and so. But you know, there have been times over the Charlie that we are, when we get ready to go out on a date, we just say, "Well, any old thing's good. Let's just throw something on. Let's just go get something. Let's just go get something to eat." And no, no preparation is made. I'm afraid that we've treated that the church has treated God that way. That we've treated God that way. That we say that we that we say, well, any old praise will do, any old worship will do, any old prayer will do, any old preaching will do, any, any old and so we don't trim the excess off. We don't get ourselves, we don't get ourselves ready. And here's the thing, sister April hit the nail right on right on the head. We ought to have we ought to have we ought to have a a, 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 a private worship at our homes that ought to overspill into what we're doing here in the church. If the only time that we ever lift up our hands is when we come to church on Sunday morning, if the only time that we ever worship Him, if the only time we ever read our, I'm preaching right now, if the only time we ever read our Bible is when the preacher takes a text, if we never look at our word, if we never get it down on the inside of us, can I tell you, we haven't trimmed our lamps, and it's beginning to be before too long, we'll see the oil start to run out. But I don't know about you tonight, church, but I don't want to lose my oil. I want to get myself ready because there's a bridegroom getting ready to come. And he's coming after a church. He's coming after a bride that has prepared themselves. They put on the makeup. They've adorned themselves. They've cut out the sin. They've cut out the compromise. They've cut it all out. And they're saying, I'm ready. I've got to keep the oil. Amen. All right. I'm almost done. Maybe. I don't know. You see, Joash had to keep the oil. He had to watch after the oil. Is this okay tonight? You got to watch the oil. You got to watch for intruders to the oil. Can I just say this is not in my notes and I've, I've got about 10 minutes left that I can preach and I'll be at 45 minutes here. Um, can, I, can I tell you a... And, and it's right, but it's also not... I don't believe it's the fullness of everything that God intended. So we quote... We quote John 10 and 10 and we say, you know, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? Of course, we know the rest of that. The Bible says, but Jesus said, I come that you may have life and you may have that more abundantly. And we automatically just associate the thief with Satan, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that's true. But actually, the proper context is he's talking in John chapter 10 about that, is he's actually talking about people that are coming into the mist trying to steal, kill, and to destroy the things that you have. Ooh. Not just Satan, because here's the thing. Not, not, not just Satan himself, but sometimes people will try to come in and steal what you've got. Sometimes other things will try to come in and will try to steal what you have. And that's the reason why like Joash, Joash had to be the man that guarded the anointing. Joash had to be the man that guarded 
the oil. And we have to guard the oil. We have to guard the most precious thing, the most precious commodity in the church. The most precious commodity in the church is not our building. The most precious commodity is not our budget, it's not our singing, it's not our worship, it's not our preaching. It's the oil. The oil is the most precious commodity. And there are things that will try to come in and will try to steal that oil. That's the reason why we need to have watchmen. Three things that I just wrote down real quick that are thieves of the oil. Number one, complacency. Complacency will steal your oil. Compla what is complacency? Complacently simply says, well, that's, that's good enough. I don't need to do it anymore. It, it, this, is, this is good enough. You've heard Pastor and I talk about it. We've joked at times and stuff like that. We've, we've, we've done, my, and my dad used to do it. Where dad would be working on something and finish it up or get to a certain spot and he would say, well, that's a, that's good enough for who it's for. Right, right. And uh, sometimes that was a good thing, sometimes that wasn't a good thing. And complacency is that attitude. Complacency is to say, well, that's just that's that's good enough. We've got to this part. Um, I used can I can I tell you something? I used to I, I um growing up, we used I used to I used to play a lot of video games. Growing up as a kid and stuff like that, I played a lot of video games. I still play some of my kids and what have you, because you know, they're, they're into that sort of stuff. And so as bonding time with them, you know, I'll sit down with them and, and, and play some. I can't play any of this new stuff, you know, so I break out the old Nintendo. So I play me some Mario. And I do all of that. But I, I, have, a, I have an issue. Here's, here's my issue. I'm good at it. I just don't know how to play a game through to completion. I'm just, I'm telling on myself here. I, I, it's not a big deal in, the, in that regard. But I'll, there's been many times I will play a game and get to the last level and just say, well, I've played most of it. I've beat most of it. And so now, I mean, this is good enough. I feel confident in what I do. But here's the thing. I never, ever, have ever, and this is the honest truth, have ever played a video game through to completion. It's not that I can't. It's just I just got complacent, Brother Johnny, and said, that's good enough. I don't want to do anymore. Oh, this is good. And sometimes we in the church are like that. Oh, this is, oh, see, see, what we need more than ever in our church today is we need the spirit of Caleb to arise. Oh, what is that, Pastor? It's that, it's that, it's that spirit that rises up that says, hey, you know what? I know that 
there's already been a lot that's already been accomplished in God. But you know what? There's still mountains out there that need to be overtaken. There's still territory out there that need to be taken. So give me this mountain. I don't want to quit the game on the last level and just take my ease and just go. Because complacency is a robber of oil. Number two. Are y'all with me? I've got about six minutes here. Number two, apathy. What is apathy? Apathy is, well, it's, it's no big deal. So it's, you know, it's no big deal. Apathy will do that. Number three, compromise. Compromise will rob you of your weight. It'll say, compromise is, you know, you don't have to be that radical. You don't have to be you don't have to be that dogmatic. You don't have to be. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be that so. You don't have to be that so out. Just take your ease. Just, just a, a little bit of this. You know, a, 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 a little bit. Uh, uh, okay, I'm just gonna say because this is what a, a little bit of alcohol won't hurt. A little bit. Uh, a, a little bit of of, of of pornography won't hurt. A little bit. A, a little bit of drugs won't hurt. A little bit of compromise here and a little bit of compromise there. That won't hurt because you know nobody expects you to be perfect. Oh. Oh, you know, it's okay. You know, a little bit of sex before marriage is okay because you know, y'all got to know whether or not if you're actually compatible or not. Oh, come on. You Listen, I, listen. I'm preaching good because right now, right now, in the, right now in the, in the American church, we got more people in the American church right now that are living together and shacking up than at any other time in American history of the church. And what has it done? It's robbed us of the oil. Oh, okay. So compromise. But what is but what is the job for Joash? Just keep the oil. Don't worry about everything else. Our job is just to keep the oil. It may go unnoticed, but just keep the oil. You may not be the flashiest thing in town, but keep the oil. It may it may get uncomfortable, but keep the oil. It may cause sisters still. It may cause friends to turn their back on us. But I'd rather have the oil than a friend, because when I have the oil, I've got a friend that sticks closer than a. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. When I got the oil, I've got a friend that, that sticks closer with a brother. Sometimes the oil will make things uncomfortable. Sometimes the oil will make us do things that we ordinarily wouldn't do. Can I tell you? If you're comfortable, what you need is to get into some oil because the oil will make you do some uncomfortable things. Just keep the oil. It may, it may make you, it, it, it may at times make you feel lonely. But keep the oil. Can I just say this? It may make you feel unappreciated. But keep the oil. You may not always get a pat on the back. You may not always get a that a boy or that a girl. And don't, and don't misunderstand. I believe you give an honor where honor is due. 
But if you always have to live off the fact that somebody's got to pat you on the back or pat me on the back and clap their hands and say, hey, good job, good job, and, and, and give you a treat every now and then because of what you did before too long, somebody down the road, somebody else will give you a bigger treat and compliment you about oh, Sometimes oily people are unappreciated, and even if your name never gets in the lights, even if they, even if they never even if they never pat you on the back for the job and say, "Hey, good job, thank you, thank you for all that you do, we really appreciate you." I've learned a long time ago. It's not about the applause of men. It's not about the applause of the church. It's about honor to a king. And as long as I honor the king, as long as I'm in a relationship with the king. I Know that there's coming a day, Pastor Tony, that will look at me and will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the rest that I have for you. It's not because if I get my applause here, I won't get my applause there. But if I oh, but if I just press on and if I hold on to the oil and I say, Hey, I'm not looking for appreciation down here, I'm looking for a crown up there. Oh, oh. Guard it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. I, I, got, I got a minute still. Guard it till the king comes. Be faithful. Don't leave your post. Be like Nehemiah. When the enemy comes calling after you, tell him, I'm coming down off this wall. I'm building a wall and I'm not coming down. Because the enemy will try to get you distracted. And we'll try to be faithful to it. Be faithful in guarding this. So how do we keep the oil? Three things real quick. Pastor, somebody slow me down here. Are you ready? Three things. Number one, be humble. You, if you're taking notes... You ought to put that in big, bold letters. Be humble. Be humble. We need a revival in the American church of humbleness. That's what we need. We need a revival in the American church of just humbleness. I, I've, in 21 years of doing this, as a matter of fact, um, I was going through some old things at the house and this is an old preaching Bible of mine from 2004 because I always buy a Bible on the anniversary of when God called me to preach the problem is, is God called me on a reading So every February the 29th, I celebrate what God called me to ministry. And I, I, used, I used to struggle with some things. I used to struggle with comparison, all of those type of things. And I had really come to realize that, you know, there's always going to be somebody that's better. There's really nobody that's the best. I hear people say, oh, that's the best preacher. No, no, they're not. There's always, that's all, that's all subjective. 
That's all, that's all subjective. They're the best singer. No, they're not. They're good. They're not the best. Because I found out in 21 years of ministry, there's always going to be somebody that's going to come along that's going to do it better, arrange it better. There's always going to be somebody that's going to look better. Always going to be somebody that can sing better. Everybody, somebody's going to play better. Somebody's going to preach better. Somebody that can talk. That's and that's all fine. I don't care. Just be humble. Just be humble. Because humble people keep the oil. Humble people keep the oil. Be humble. Number two, be helpful. Oh, that's good. I've, I've, I've worked in retail, Brother Scotty. That's where when I went on the road, I spent a lot of my time working in retail and stores and things like that. Most of my stores that I worked in, I, I managed. And can I tell you what I hated more than anything? I know that's a strong word. If somebody look at me and go, that ain't my job. Okay. Here's the door. We're a team. We help each other out. Well, it'd be helpful. I don't clean the bathroom. That ain't my job. It's all of our jobs. Be helpful. Keepers of the oil, people who order the people are helpful. See, and they just don't. Helpful people don't criticize. Oh, helpful people don't complain. Helpful. Now, listen. Helpful people don't don't overlook stuff. But helpful people working and finding solutions. They just don't always see. I don't like. See, critical people are just people. They just always say what's wrong, but they don't know how to fix it. That's good right there. But keepers of the oil, they're helpful people, so be helpful. And then number three, and I'm done. Keepers of the oil are, are hopeful people. They're, they're always looking We've heard a lot about vision this past week. They're always looking for, they're always hopeful for things. And I want to be hopeful for the future. I want to be hopeful about what God is getting ready to do. I still believe that the best is yet to come. I still believe that the best is right now. I want to be a keeper of the oil. I want to be an oil keeper. Is that your desire? Stand with me all over this house. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Evangelist Jeremy Cook. If you would like more information regarding New Season Ministry, 
to schedule Jeremy to minister at your event, or to support the ministry with a love gift, please contact us at 859-404-4007. Or you may email him at pastorjeremycook at gmail.com. God bless, and we will see you next time on New Season Ministry. Thank you.